Thank you. Be seated. I hope that's our prayer to the Lord. I, I hope that is our determination that we're going to say yes when the Lord's Spirit talks to us. Last week we started a brand new series on a brand new weekend of a brand new year. It's a brand new year. Is it the same old you? Now, last week we did some trash talking. And I asked the question, are you going to carry your same old trash into 2011? You're going to carry those same addictive behaviors. You're going to carry those same dysfunctional relationships. You're going to carry those, those same practices that are holding you back from being the man, the woman God wants you to be, the man, woman you want to be. Really going to do that? Well, if not, last week we decided we need to wake up, we need to fess up, and we need to shape up. Now, if you weren't here last week, I'm going to encourage you to listen to that message. You can get it at our resource table. I understand we ran out of copies last week, but they have more copies this week. Or you can go to our website, floridabible.org, and click Media Resources, and you can listen to it or download it on your iPod. But an important message, and I hope you'll listen to it. Now, today, I want to focus our attention on another challenge that many of us this morning may be bringing into 2011. And that's the same old religious rut. Same old religious rut. You know, Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come to give life and to give life to the full. I wonder if that characterizes your Christian experience this morning. Is your Christian experience characterized by this, this life of fullness, this life of, of vibrance, this, this excitement, this sense of urgency, this sense of purpose? Jesus said, that's why I came. I came to give you life like you can't even imagine. Now, of course, we know that the, the ultimate life, the peak of that experience is eternal life that Jesus gives us when we trust Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. When we rely on the sacrifice that Jesus paid when he died willingly on the cross for the sins of man. And we know that the only way back to the Father is by trusting Jesus Christ as our Savior. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this morning, if you never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, he has brought you here today to give you that opportunity. Just to reach out and confess that, that he is Lord. And that he died on the cross for our sins. And, and that you want forgiveness of your sins. And you want him to be your personal Savior. But Jesus goes beyond that. And he says, I want you to have life. The King James says, life more abundantly. But I wonder, is that your experience this morning? Gary Thomas, in his book Sacred Pathways, and Gary's a, a, a professor at, at Western Seminary in Oregon, said this, I found that many people face the same dilemma in their walk with God. Their love for God has not dimmed. They've just fallen into a soul-numbing rut. And i got to believe that there are men and women here today in our church family who are feeling exactly like that. You love God. You didn't love God, you wouldn't be here today. But your experience is this soul-numbing kind of rut that you've fallen into. He goes on to describe it. He says, their devotions seem like nothing more than shadows of what they've been doing for years. They've been involved in the same ministry for so long they could practically do it in their sleep. 
It seems as if nobody in their small group has had an original thought for three years. In other words, it's vanilla. It's the same old thing over and over again. It's almost like we're, we're zombies, we're robots, and we're, we're kind of just going through the same thing over and over again, and there's no zip anymore, there's no excitement anymore, there's no sense of God's presence in our life anymore. He concludes that they finally wake up one morning and ask, is this really all there is to knowing God? Is this it? Really? Is this really the Christian experience? Is this life to the full? Is this life more abundant? Let me ask you a question. If that's you, are you going to stay in your same old religious rut going into 2011? Really? You're going to be satisfied with that kind of Christian experience for a whole nother year? I hope not. Last week we revisited the definition of insanity. The definition of sanity is doing the same thing the same way while expecting different results. It's the same thing with religious insanity. Religious insanity is doing the same old religious things the same old way and expecting a different result. Going through the same motions that we're going through when we're stuck in this soul-numbing rut, and we think that's going to change it somehow. The classic example of religious insanity happened to the nation of Israel. That's why they missed the birth of their Messiah that they had been waiting thousands of years to come. They had fallen into a soul-numbing religious rut. It describes it in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifice which can never take away sins. See, I mean, God gave Israel the religious system of religious systems. They had commandments. They had priests. The priests wore vestments. They had sacrifices. They had special holy days to observe. I mean, when you want to practice religion, Israel had it all. But the problem is, it all became routine. It all became a rut. And even when their Messiah finally came, they missed it. Not only did they miss his birth, they ended up crucifying him. But the verse goes on. It says, but when this priest, speaking of Jesus, when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool, because by sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are made holy. In other words, Jesus changed everything. Because Jesus came and died on the cross, because Jesus came and sacrificed himself as a sacrifice for sin, we now can be made perfect through Jesus and our faith in Jesus Christ that we talked about a moment ago. Therefore, Jesus came and canceled out religion. And since he canceled out religion, it goes on to say in verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, in other words, he's saying, since Jesus changed everything, and remember that this book of Hebrews was written to Jewish people, that's why it's called Hebrews. And they would get this right away. And they say, now that we have access to the most holy place. See, under the Jewish religious system, in the temple, there was a holy of holy place, the most holy place. 
And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was, and that's where God's presence dwelt. And only once a year was the high priest of Israel allowed to go into that room and offer a sacrifice for the sins of the nation for the past year. No one else was allowed near it. But when Jesus died on the cross, and he said, it is finished, that curtain tore in two. God ripped the curtain apart because now we all have access to God, not through religion, not through priests, but God has made himself available to every one of us personally. And so it says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. In other words, Jesus satisfied all the things we seek religion for. We seek to get religious so that we can take care of our guilt and our shame. And we, we seek to act out religiously because it's kind of, kind of like some kind of a bath and we, we wash all the crud that's built up on us over the week. And so we want to embrace religion for those things and it really doesn't deliver that. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Now what does all that mean? This is great. Don't miss this. This is God's invitation for me. This is God's invitation to you to swap your religion for relationship. This is invitation. He says, stop the religion. Stop selling what I have for you short. I want relationship with you, not for you to be, pay homage to me through some religious system that doesn't deliver to you, doesn't deliver to me, is satisfying to nobody. Look what Jesus declared in Mark twelve thirty. Jesus said, love the Lord your God. A group of religious leaders came to him. They said, what's the greatest commandment of all the commandments? In other words, they were asking, what's the most important thing in life, Jesus? Come and teach us. Tell, tell us what that is. And without hesitation, Jesus says, love the Lord your God. Now notice he didn't say, fear the Lord your God. Prostrate yourself before the Lord your God. Pay homage to the Lord your God. What did he say? He said, it's easy, love God. And the reason he said it is because that's God's desire for man. Yeah, God's omnipotent, God's omniscient, God's omnipresent, God fills the universe, God is so amazing we can't even begin to imagine him. But yet God's purpose for you and me, his created purpose for mankind, was to share a relationship of love. That's the relationship he wants with you today. Now the rest of the verse is a formula for how we can love God in a way that makes God feel loved. How we can love God in a way that will give us this life abundant so that we can break out of this soul-numbing rut that so many of us are in. And how we can really experience what Jesus came to give us, and that was life to the full. The whole formula starts with this. Just be you. Just be you. Again, look what he says in Mark 12, 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. See, God desires a personal, individual relationship with every one of us. He's like, love God with the Catholics. Love God with the Baptists. 
Love God with the Presbyterians. Love God with the Pentecostals. I said, love me, you, you, me. Just you and me. Let's have a relationship. He doesn't say, love me like the person who, who brought you to faith in Jesus Christ that you admire and you love. He doesn't say, love me like, like your mom and dad love me. Love me like grandma and grandpa love me. He doesn't say, love me like your pastor loves me. No, 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 no. He says, love me from who you are. Gary Thomas again wrote a wonderful book called Sacred Pathways. And in that book, he describes how we connect with God differently, every one of us. You know, in the business world, personality temperaments is the big thing. A lot of times before you get hired on a job, they make you take the Myers-Briggs or they make you take the disc. And it's in personality inventory to see how you operate and how you think and, and how you emotionally respond and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, Gary took that same kind of thinking and he created a book describing spiritual temperaments. Things like naturalists. Naturalists really connect God personally best outdoors. You know, on YouTube right now, one of the biggest hits is a thing called the Double Rainbow Guy. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It's a big hit on YouTube right now. But what it is, is this guy, is he's got a video camera, and he's in Yosemite National Park, and he's just kind of videoing around, and he's walking, and all of a sudden, he comes to this clearing, and majestically over a mountain is this beautiful double rainbow. And he's, he's just filming it, but, but the, the, the interest of the video is his reaction to it. And at first he goes, wow, wow, look at that, amazing, a double rainbow, look at all, oh, it's so beautiful, wow, it's amazing. And the thing goes on and on and on and on. And he just keeps reacting, and part of it, it's like he's having some kind of a sensual experience, you know? And then later on, he's like crying and weeping, you know, about, oh, it's so beautiful, you know, and it's just kind of comical. But I get it. And some of you get it. See, some people connect best with God outdoors. I have. I've had that experience. I haven't carried it on like the rainbow guy. <laughs> but I remember looking over a mountain valley and the mountains on each side. And just feeling God's presence and just being awestruck by his creation. Looking over the Grand Canyon. And just kind of spontaneously, I start singing, how great thou art. See, some of you are naturalists, and you best connect with God down at the beach with the ocean waves crashing, a beautiful sunrise, or in a park where the trees are in bloom and the birds are singing. And in that environment, you sense God in a very personal, strong way. Others are ascetics, and I can identify with that. In fact, there's a category in Sacred Pathways that's called complete, and, and these people share a lot of the different capacities, and I think I fall into that. But I understand what the ascetics are. Those are people who love God through simplicity and solitude. Don't need whistles and bells. I'm a lot like this. Oftentimes I'll go home, and before uh, Stella gets home, before Peter uh, comes around or anything like that, often I'll go sit on my couch and I'll just put my head back and close my eyes and just start talking to God. And before you know it, man, we are really having a good time together. I mean, I'm not getting crazy or anything, but we're just relating. 
And I sense his presence, and, and, he's, and I'm talking to him, and he's talking back to me, and it's just a beautiful experience. But it's done in solitude, absolute quiet, no one else around. Then there's those who are caregivers. That's their spiritual memory. They connect with God best when they're actually out caring for somebody else. They're, they're taking a, a meal over to somebody who's just had an operation and, and helped their family eat that night. Or, or, or they're helping somebody uh, with their yard work or repairing something at their house or, or whatever. It could be a thousand different things. But when they're helping somebody else, when they're giving care to somebody, they really feel the presence of God. See, that's what Martha was doing in the story of Mary and Martha. She's running around, she's serving Jesus, and she's connecting, she's feeling Jesus. Now, her mistake was that Mary, who didn't share that spiritual temperament, and we all tend to do this, we look at other people and say, well, why don't they love God like I love God? Because they're not like you. God wired them differently. But some people are like that. Some are enthusiasts. And they love God through the mystery of celebration of worship. We have a lot of enthusiasts here. You know, Linwood's up here and he gives the band one, two, and already some people are. <laughs> and it's not artificial. They have their hands up because that's their spiritual temperament. And they've come anticipating this time of celebration with God. And immediately when the music begins, they feel connected and they feel intimate with God. And they're not just singing words, they are having a relational experience. You have intellectuals. They love God through deep study of God's word or deep study of a, of a book about God, a devotional book, a theological book. And they just study and they study and study. And then they'll have like almost the same kind of experience the double rainbow guy has. At some point, the Holy Spirit will reveal something new, some new spiritual perspective to them. And all of a sudden, they're like having this strong relational moment with God saying, God, I didn't know that about you. God, that's amazing about you. And they'll just connect with God and just start praising him. Because through their deep study, God has revealed something new to them and it excites their soul. Then there's activists. A loving God through confrontation. Stella and I had dinner with a John and Joanne Minor the other night and they're kind of coordinating our, co-coordinating our next Haiti trip. And John was telling us a guy at work last time they went to Haiti who came in and he said to the whole office, he yelled, at noon, let's all gather in John's office and we're going to have prayer over him. And John's going, hey, this is work, man. Maybe we ought to tone this down a little bit. And the guy says, I'm no care. I don't want to worry about any of those people. Come on, we're praying. You know, some people feel connected with God when they're out there on the edge. When they're out there taking risk. When they feel the Holy Spirit's courage coming into them. And they're confronted and they're, they're, they're getting face to face with people about Jesus Christ. And that's when they feel most connected. What's your spiritual temperament? See, that's how God wants you to connect with him, through the way he made you individually. Now, if you don't know, Pastor Jim hooked us up here. And you can go to our website, floridabible.org, and you can click Next Steps, Assessment Tools, and you can actually take the Sacred Passageway Spiritual te Temperament Inventory, and it'll take you through a lot of questions and help you to identify your spiritual temperament or your spiritual temperaments. Now, if you want to buy the book, you can go to our website and go to media resources and suggested books and buy the book Sacred Pathways. But I really encourage it to you because it's going to help you to understand that God wants you to just be you. Don't look at anybody else. God wants to relate with you. Now, as Jesus shares more in the formula, he wants us to mix it up. See, this is how we get in ruts. We do it the same way. You know, well, I have my devotion at 5 o'clock in the morning. That last 15 minutes, then I'm over here and I pray for five minutes. 
Then I sing some kind of prayer, my praise song or something like that for five minutes. You know, and we get in these ruts, these routines, and that's that's characterizes our whole life. Or for a lot of people, it's just coming to church one hour a week. I, I, you know, that's my thing. Yeah, and we wonder why we don't have life to the fullest. Look what the Bible says. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In other words, he says, come on, let's have an interesting relationship. Let's not just, just have devotions. There's nothing wrong with devotions. There's nothing wrong with reading daily bread every day. There's nothing wrong with that. He says, but don't just make it that. And he gives us some ways to love him and engage in love. One is through the heart. That's affection. He wants us to just have some time where we're just loving on each other. Again, yesterday I was preparing for last night's service and I kind of rocked back in my chair in my office and I just closed my eyes and I just said, God, I love you so much. God, do you know how much I love you? God, do you know how much I'm thankful to you? Do you know how special you are to me? I'm not kidding you. The moment, the first time, I said, God, do you know how much I love you? The Holy Spirit welled up in me and I heard the Holy Spirit in his presence, not in a voice, don't get scared, say, Pete, I love you too. I love you too. And I said, God, I love you. And he said, I love you. And we just sat there for a while loving on each other. And I felt the tears coming down my cheeks. I said, God, this is powerful. I love being in your presence. See, that's what God wants to have with us. He wants to have a love relationship with us. And he wants to love us with our affection. He wants to love us with our soul. That's devotion. What's devotion? If I could give a definition to devotion with one word, I would say sacrifice. I've not always been the greatest dad in the world. I've certainly not been the greatest husband in the world. Second greatest. <laughs> but I am very confident of this one thing. That if you went to any member of my family, they would say, I'm a devoted husband. I'm a devoted father. Why? Because I will sacrifice for my family in a second. I will be absolutely, I will have no hesitation in making sure their needs are taken care of before mine. I will sacrifice anything to meet their needs, and more often than not, their desires. Why? That is a demonstration of the relationship we have. And so, Jesus, I want you to mix it up. Sometimes, you naturalists, you get outside and get to the seashore, get up in the mountain or get in the park, and let's just love on each other for a while. He said, you, you intellectuals, get in a book, and let's just love on each other for a while. And then he's saying also, I'll sacrifice for you. I did it. I died on a cross. That qualifies, right? It's a sacrifice. I gave my life for you. Now, part of our love is, what are you doing to sacrifice for me? What kind of time are you sacrificing? How many of your resources are you sacrificing? And he says, love me with your mind. See, that's where so many of us get stuck. We just love them with our mind. It becomes very stale and routine. You know, if we don't mix up our human relationships, if we're just doing the same thing all the time, what happens? We get into a rut and everything falls apart and we start arguing, we start getting in, in conflict with each other and, and somebody doesn't feel love and somebody feels neglected and the whole thing is a mess. Well, God wants us to mix it up too. 
And he said, love me. Just love on me sometimes. And he said, and then sacrifice for me because that, that shows me how much that your love is. It's not just words, it's real. And he says, then learn of me. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Jesus said, come on, let's, let's not have a stale old religious rut relationship. Let's mix it up and make it be vibrant. And he says, get active. Jesus finishes the formula by saying this, love the Lord your God with all your strength. That's service. You know, I do things for people I love. It's one of my love languages. I'm going to talk about that next week. I do things for people I love. I help with the housework. I don't feel obligated to do it. I do it because it helps Stella, and I love Stella. I do things for my kids. I do things for my grandson. It's an expression of my love. And Jesus said, you know, when you serve me, you make me feel loved. Now, when we serve him, the reciprocal happens. Yesterday, after the men's breakfast, I came in with about a dozen guys or so, and, and we were here, and we were setting up the chairs for the services this weekend. Now, oh, we were having a blast. It really is fun. We were teasing each other and bantering each other and saying, yeah, you're a blind as a you know, blind mule, and we're, we're, we're having a good time with each other. But I'll tell you what, the whole time, as I was setting up chairs and pulling them off stacks and everything, I was having a relationship with Jesus. I was saying, Jesus, this is for you. I, I, I'm not too proud. I'm not too important to do chairs, God. This, this is for you. And we had relationship. And at the end, after it was all set up, kind of just impromptu, because I was already having a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit, said, say this to these guys, encourage these guys. And so I said, you know, guys, what we've done here for the last hour, we've worked hard, we're all sweating. I said, but do you know that last weekend alone, eight known people trusted Jesus Christ at Florida Bible Service in our worship services. And yeah, praise the Lord for that. And you know why? Because you guys came and set up these chairs and they had a place to sit. You know why? Because we had some nursery workers who were willing to take maybe one of their children so that they could come in and give their full attention to the Lord. And we had greeters that came in and made them feel welcome immediately when they came in because we were smiling and shaking their hand and telling them how glad that we were here. And we had children's workers teaching other children. And we had people all over the place serving God. It's a great demonstration of our love. Get active. Get active. John Wesley said, to turn Christianity in a solitary religion is to destroy. In other words, Christianity is not meant to be experienced in solitude. Now, for those of us who are ascetics, we get personal with God, that's okay, but we don't need to stay there and live there. We need to get out and do things with other people, and that's called service. That's serving God with all our strength. Get active. There's so many places around here we can help you get active. You can help us with the chair ministry. We need more people to help us with that. Uh, in the 9.30 service, we had a choir. It was really great in our traditional reflect service. And we're looking for people to sing in that choir. Right now, we've only got about a dozen, and we need to have twice that many. And I was listening to you guys sing today, and a lot of you have got really good voices. And so Wednesday night, start mixing up your relationship with God a little bit and meet us over here in the choir room and get in the choir you say, well, I come to the 11 o'clock service, not the 9.30 service. Yeah, but that's an act of devotion because you do a little bit extra. Mix 
it up. Finally, target others. Immediately after this formula that Jesus gives on how we love him, he adds something. He said, first of all, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength. But then he says, this is the second commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. God says, reach out to others. You love me when you're loving others. You love me when you're carrying me to other places in the world. People need a little Jesus with some flesh on it, and that's what you are. Mix it up. Finally, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. All. Another big reason that we fall into religious ruts is we compartmentalize God. God, 11 o'clock service, Florida Bible Church, 9300 Pembroke Road. Sunday morning. This, 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 this. God, Wednesday night, Bible study. Just think, those of you who are married, if that was your relationship with your spouse, one hour a week. How would that go for you? How fulfilling would that be? Just friends. If that's all you did, one hour a week. Relationship would be in trouble. Jesus said, no, no, no. I'm going to love you all day long. I'm going to love you when you wake up in the morning. I'm going to talk to you. God's speaking. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to you all day long. I'm going to look to, to share love with you all day long. When you go to bed, even while you're sleeping, I'm going to be there watching over you. I want you all in. And only when we go all in for God are we really going to feel and experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Well, it's a brand new year. Is it the same old you? Are you going to stay in your same old religious rut through yet another year? Or this morning, will you accept God's invitation to swap your religion for relationship? That's what he's looking for. And that's what will make you feel like your Christian experience is worth something. I got one more question and then I'm going to end. If not now, when? If not January 9th, 2011, when? A couple years ago I showed you this. This is a gift I got from my brother on Christmas 2009, two years ago. It's a jar with a bunch of marbles in it. But it has enormous significance. See, my mom and dad died early. They both went home to be with the Lord at age 67. Very young. And Christmas 2009, my brother sent one of these jars to me and one to both my sisters. And the number of marbles in the jar represented the weeks each of us had left before we reached 67. 
In other words, if we only lived as long as our parents, that's it for me. That's all I got left. Now, since I showed you this in 2009, I've removed, as of today, 105 marbles. It looks a lot less than it used to look. Now, I've got this in a prominent place in my office, and I don't want you to know, I don't look at them and say, oh my goodness. Oh no. I'm going to die. That's not what it's there for. I look at it and I say, that's how much opportunity I still have. That's how much opportunity I still have to prepare for eternity. That's how much opportunity I still have to earn heavenly rewards that will last for all eternity. That's how much opportunity I have to still tell God I love Him. That's how much opportunity I have to serve Him. That's how much opportunity I have to sacrifice for Him. That's how much opportunity I have to love Him with my my heart and, and with my soul and with my mind and with my strength. I still got that much left. It's not done yet. What's your jar look like? What's your jar look like? Listen, you're alive today. Whether you're 20 years old, whether you're 30 years old, whether you're 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years old, the fact that you're still here means God is still giving you opportunity. Are you going to carry your same old religious rut into another year? Now, I'm going to do something a little different this morning. I want us all to stand. Right now, some of you, God is speaking to you about this issue. Last week, some of you, it was all the trash issue, and that really hit home. This week, it's this religious rut. We don't do this often, but right now, we're, our instrumentalists are going to come back. And I'm going to invite those of you who the Holy Spirit will move to come down here and to kneel and to start the year off new and say, Jesus, for whatever reason he calls you down here, surrender to that. And I want to just invite anyone who wants to and don't feel compelled to, to come down and pray and just love on Jesus here a little bit. As we play, Jackie, do that. Come let us worship and bow down. You know what? It's a little course that goes like this. Come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. Yeah, come on down. Come on down. The Lord's prompting you. Come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. For He the sheep of his hand. We'll sing it one more time for those who still want to come. Sing it with me. Come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Let us kneel before the Lord our God our Maker. 
worship and bow down. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. For He is our God. He is our God. And we are the people of His pasture. We are the people of His pasture. And the sheep of His hand. Sheep of His hand. Just the sheep. Just the sheep of His hand. And the sheep of His hand. Just the sheep of His hand. Come on, whether you're kneeling here, whether you're standing there, let's love on Jesus for a moment. God, we do love you. How amazing you are. And even though in the eyes of the vast amount of this world that we live in, we are insignificant, not in your eyes. Every one of us, you see individually. And you long to relate to us, not to have some religious experience with us. You are passionate about having a loving, intimate, personal, individual relationship with every one of us. Father, I pray for these men and women who have come down here and the Holy Spirit has prompted them to come and kneel before you. Lord, I don't know what all is going on in their life, but I pray right now that your presence will be strong in their souls. Holy Spirit, talk to them. Holy Spirit, encourage them. Holy Spirit, bring forgiveness to those who have come to confess sin. Holy Spirit, bring salvation to any man or woman who has come down here to put their faith in Jesus Christ and who are right now praying, God, I want your forgiveness. And God, I confess that my faith is in Jesus Christ who died on the cross. I'm transferring my confidence off of myself and only onto him. Jesus, today I believe on your name alone for the eternal forgiveness of my sin. Jesus, be my Savior. Father, I pray also for my brothers and sisters who remain standing. Father, I pray that your spirit right now is bearing witness with their spirit too. And Lord, all of us, with united hearts, we lift our hearts to you and we say, Abba, Father, Daddy, we love you. God, help us to break out of this spiritual rut and get all in for you. For we do want the abundant life that Jesus promises. And we will give you glory in every aspect of our life. And we pray our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. You can sit down. You guys can go back to your seats. It's a brand new year, and it's obvious that God is working in very powerful ways in our church. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being intent on listening to God. Next weekend, I'm going to tell you what we're going to talk about because I want you to invite a lot of people to come. We are living in a world that is hurting as far as love. We can almost, a lot of people are living in a totally loveless world. And even those of us who have loving relationships sometimes don't know how to express that. Like, like we learned how to do it with God today. 
Some of us need to be reminded how to do it with each other. Because our love for each other hasn't dimmed any. But we've fallen into a lukewarm love. And next week, we're going to talk about how to break out of that. And how to make love sizzle in our lives again. And I want you to invite somebody to come. Because there's a lot of hurting people in this world who are looking for love. And they're looking for love, as the old song says, in all the wrong places. <laughs> again, I thank you for being here. Thank you for indulging me for just a few minutes extra this morning. I remind you that as you leave today, is an opportunity to, to love the Lord with our souls through an act of devotion of giving our tithes and offerings. The offering kiosks are in the back. You can give at Florida Bible through the offering kiosk, or you can also go online, floridabible.org, and you can give online also. Just follow the prompts. But we appreciate everybody who supports this ministry, and I know God appreciates it even so much more. Let's stand together. As you leave, greet somebody. Tell them you love them in Jesus. Let's go out determined to break our spiritual ruts. God bless you. Have a great week.